Daniels going to throw on first down. Goes to the sidelines. Has a man wide open. Oh my goodness, what a night of college football. It was so much fun to dial it in, and we're glad that you're spending your morning and your afternoon or your evening whenever you're getting the content with us here at Always College Football. Welcome in. Today is the Friday, September 2nd edition of Always College Football. He's Mark Kubiak. I'm Greg McElroy, and we really appreciate you being with us. Please continue to like, rate, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It really helps the show out. For those of you that are asking on the ESPN YouTube channel, you can't rate on ESPN YouTube. I didn't know that either, so don't worry. <laughs> I'm, I'm a rookie at this as well. You can't rate on the ESPN YouTube channel. All you can do is just hit that thumbs up. That helps us out. We appreciate it. But if you are listening via the podcast on Spotify or Apple, you can give us a rating on there. You can also leave a review. And if you can do this, this is the most important. If you can do this and tell your friends about it, word of mouth is massive. We don't have a marketing budget to go out and just spend money to try to market the show. All we're trying to do is just celebrate the game that you love, that we love. And word of mouth is massive for spreading the movement that we're trying to create. There's a lot of great shows for college football, and we think there's lots of places for them. That's for sure. Look, we have a great game plan in store for you today. We will, of course, get to the action last night. Oh, my goodness. Clock management issues, incredible plays, a defense that was once very, very, very scary. Giving up nearly 50? That's something to address. We might get to that as well. Big, big, big issues throughout the course of last night that need to be addressed. We'll get to it for sure. And of course, like we'll have every Friday, we'll have Chris the Bear Felica to go around the country to hit a million games and to try, try to break them down as best we can in regards to the line and the movement within the line. So without much further ado, let's talk about it. All right, let's talk about it. What a night of college football. How about kicking it off in style, man? That was incredible. Tip of the cap to all the announcers and all the television crews that were on games last night. They felt big. I felt like I was sitting there in pit, like watching this game. I can't pronounce the stadium's name uh, until I call a pit game there. I'm not going to be forced to announce it, so I'm not going to say the name of, of Pitt Stadium. Accenture? I guess I'll, we'll just go with that. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. E either way, what an incredible game. I mean, that's what college football is all about. We're going to start there. West Virginia and Pitt, just an unbelievable game from start to finish. I hate that it ended the way it did. I know if you're a Pitt fan, you're sitting there thinking, we made a great play. We scored a touchdown. We took one to the house. I just hate that it came down to a mistake as opposed to, Pitt making some ridiculously incredible play that inevitably led to them winning the game. Look, not taking anything away from them. It was remarkable. Here were the takeaways. One, West Virginia is not going anywhere. That was an impressive performance from start to finish. I thought JT Daniels showed more toughness last night than he did at any point of his career at USC and at any point of his career at Georgia. Granted, not a ton of games, not a crazy sample size, but he hung in there, man. He was getting hit. He was getting pounded. Graham Harrell, I thought, did a pretty dang good job getting the ball out of his hands. At first there, early in the game, it's like, dude, are you going to throw any passes that aren't 40 yards downfield? <laughs> but either way, I thought it was a, a gutsy performance from JT Daniels. Uh, another thing, Donaldson. Oh, my goodness. 
Donaldson for West Virginia, and you heard his story all day long on CJ Donaldson. He's got a chance to be really special. He was gashing what was a proud pit defense against the run. Pat Narduzzi's always going to try to stop the run. That's his bread and butter. Well, Donaldson made sure, along with that veteran offensive line, Mathis wasn't to be overshined as well. This was a really impressive rushing attack, I thought. And the way they committed to it was impressive. It didn't feel like there was going to be a whole lot there, and they burst one. And then all of a sudden, things start to soften up there in the second half. So I was very impressed with their commitment to running the football. That will help the air raid style of attack. And by the way, I don't think I've ever seen Graham Harrell handed off that much. Just saying, I've known Graham since I was 16 years old. He does not like running the football. Some of those old school air raid guys view running the football as a sign of weakness. No, he ran the football last night, stuck to it. And I thought it was really impressive the way they mixed run and pass. Uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton, a lot of people will remember the play at the end of the game. That's not what I'm going to remember. That guy played his tail off last night. And it's heartbreaking that that's how it ended because he had such a magical night. But either way, this is going to be a really good football team moving forward. If this doesn't take the air out of their balloon, they got a chance to make a lot of noise in the Big 12. Let's go next to a, a team that won the game. But, man, I think they left a lot of opportunities on the field. And that should be a good thing. If you're a Pitt fan, you're sitting there thinking, like, hang on. Like, we just won against a good team and played poorly. Yes, that's what I'm saying. That, I thought, was an incredibly good response to a difficult situation. You showed maturity. You showed toughness. You showed poise. I thought, for the most part, the tackling at the second level was somewhat subpar. I thought some of the run fits were subpar. But I thought Keaton Slovis hung in there. Uh, I wouldn't say it was a great performance by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but for the most part, I thought he made a couple really nice plays. He also had a ball or two that was dropped that I thought had a chance to be pretty dang solid. This rushing attack that Pat Narduzzi talked about all offseason, I was surprised at first what the balance was going to be. But I was also impressed that they didn't just try to completely live in that actual game plan. They adjusted in the second half, became a little bit more willing to go to the year, and I was impressed with their willingness to do that. I think they have a bunch of really good weapons that should come as no surprise. We've been talking about their weapons all offseason. Even in the departure of Jordan Addison, it's not like they are completely you know, empty-handed at wide receiver defensively how they were constantly able to tee off. I mean, just tee off and get after you was really impressive, man. I, mean, I just think this pit team, that was exactly what they needed. A tough physical game to just get that win, make a play at the end on the defensive side, take it back to the house and now create some momentum going forward. Man, that game was everything that's great about college football. Congrats to Pitt. They deserve to win. My goodness. But also congrats to West Virginia. Even Neil Brown in the press conference post game was sitting there thinking like, man, I, this rivalry showed the world what it means to everybody. Like, I thought Neil Brown handled it beautifully uh, in the press conference afterwards for the most part. He did have a couple of questions about what to catch and what's targeting. But I, that's a conversation that we can get to on Monday when I watch the tape. I have not, by the way, full disclosure, had the opportunity to watch the tape just yet. Soon enough, it'll be posted. And I'll be able to dive in. But right now, it's not posted yet. Can't believe they haven't posted it in the last six hours since we've been sleeping. But either way, we'll get to it. And we'll break it down a little bit more extensively. And if there's something that pops up, 
next week. We'll, we'll take a peek at it. Let's move next to Purdue and Penn State. Not to be overshadowed because this game had it all as well. Unfortunately, much like last week's Big Ten game, all the amazing moments throughout the game are going to be overshadowed by coaching decisions. And that to me is the tiniest bit unfortunate because I'm going to celebrate some of the things that went down. I will, I promise you. But we have to start with the clock management at the game's end. You just have to. I don't know what else to say. Clock management at the game's end and the subpar tackling by Purdue is exactly why they lost this football game. They had no business losing it. They were the better team last night. They deserved to win the game last night. And they just couldn't tackle. Starts at the end of the first half. They didn't tackle great earlier, by the way, but end of the first half, you can't let that happen. 22 seconds left. You have an end around, first down, fumble. They get it. All right, it happens. It, it Bad play, difficult spot, unfortunate ending to the first half for the Boilermakers. You're going to go into the locker room down four. Okay, but then you allow a tight end to catch a ball way downfield, break 100 tackles and run to the end zone. Now you're down 11, and all the momentum's on the Nittany Lions' favor. They should never be able to go 50-plus yards, 60 yards, however long that drive was, in the span of 20 seconds to create that much momentum and that much surge heading into half. Stand at the goal line. What do they do? Kick a 91-yard field goal? Stand at the goal line and rally up like you're in kickoff. I mean, there's absolutely no reason why that happened the other night. I was just, that was awful. Uh, that was a huge play in the game. Number two, the clock management at game's end. I mean, just can't happen. They had two opportunities with the ball to try to put the game on ice. And it's not like King Go Roo's averaging one yard a carry. The guy was averaging about four yards a carry. And I thought they had some things going with the stretch zone play. Now, they, they're never going to be a team that just grinds it down on the ground. It's just not who they are. So that's fine. If you want to stay in your lane and just continue to throw short passes and stuff like that, I can live with it. But how about make the passes? If you're trying to put the game on ice, how about make the passes high percentage? So the ball's not constantly on the ground, allowing Penn State to preserve timeouts, and you're allowing Penn State to kind of create momentum so they can come after the passer. I mean, they didn't even try. They have a great screen game. They didn't try that. They have pretty good weapons that can make you miss. They didn't really try that. Instead, they're trying to hammer it into tight coverage against Porter and all these other great defenders. And I just felt like they were making it far more difficult than they needed to, man. So I think that Jeff Brom is going to look back at this tape and probably vomit. Uh, I would if I were associated with the Purdue football team. They had so many opportunities. And hey, they played their tail off. And I hate to hate to focus on the negative. You know me. I, I want to look at the glass half full. I want to look at the silver lining. But Purdue let them off the hook. <clears throat> it's as simple as that. They also made a good play to get them the lead. So they're already playing a little bit with the, the tiniest bit of, all right, hey, man, fortune's on our side tonight. We just had to pick six, go to the house. And now we have the lead. Like, fortune's on your side. Let's, let's not take any unnecessary risks. I understand being aggressive. I understand going for the jugular. I support those lines of thought. But I also think that Clock management and game situation should outweigh going for the jugular. Like, if anything else, your defense had played pretty good all night with the exception of the big play at the end of the half. And then, yeah, they put together a couple drives. Pin them deep. Like, pin them deep and run the ball three times. If they stop you, fine. At least they're burning clock. At least they're burning timeouts, potentially. And you got the opportunity to now pin it back inside their own 10-yard line. I just thought it was really, really poorly done by Purdue at game's end. Positive takeaway, Aiden O'Connell's legit. 
I, I thought last year he was maybe hotter than he was good. That dude's for real. Really, really solid. Threw it in some really tight windows. I think the weapons at wide receiver will be just fine. Was very impressed with how physical their offensive line played. I thought they were pretty dang physical. Uh, also think defensively they were pretty physical as well. So I think this team is actually more physical this year than I can recall them being last year uh, at any point. Um, so very impressed with with what I saw from Purdue in a lot of ways. Just got to look in the mirror and reflect and maybe do things differently when they have the lead with six minutes to go uh, in the game with momentum. So Penn State, on the other hand, love the two refreshment running backs. Those guys are going to be special. You can see already on their first couple carries, those guys are going to be really explosive. They're going to be dynamic, one-two punch. I think they can go three deep in the backfield because I think all three guys could get after you a little bit. Clifford continues to make mistakes. I mean, it's as simple as that. But he also showed his resolve and maturity by putting together a beautiful drive there at the end. Uh, moving on the touchdown pass, the game-winning touchdown, moving into the pressure, buying just enough time to be able to float one over the top to his running back who's running on a wheel route, one-on-one coverage. Just a really beautiful play by the sixth-year senior. Great understanding. He's still going to miss passes. That's just who he is. But he also did a lot of really nice things last night. Thought that he showed some metal. Uh, I don't know. We couldn't hear the game. I don't know what he had to made him miss the beginning of the third quarter. Or I don't know if it's an injury or whatnot, but either way, uh, I thought he hung in there. If he was injured, um, I thought he battled back and showed some showed some toughness and being able to overcome that injury to get back on the field and lead his team to victory. So I think that was impressive. The weapons at wide receiver are still excellent. That's no surprise. Offensive line continues to be the tiniest bit troubling to me. Why is it that Penn State can't have a mauling group of offensive linemen? I'm not sure. Uh, defensively, love their secondary. Porter's the real deal. That guy's going to make a lot of money. <laughs> There's no doubt that guy is going to make a lot of money on that side of the ball. was pretty impressed with their back end as a whole, too. I don't think Porter really overshadowed any one particular guy. They were going against an elite passing attack, and yet they had tight coverage for the most part all night. Aiden O'Connell had to fit in some really tight windows to be able to move the ball as efficiently as they did. There were a couple times where they dropped coverage, and I thought they allowed a few too much run after catch, uh, especially in soft coverage on some of the out routes and some of the short throws, but that'll all get cleaned up as the game and the season progresses so congrats to Penn State gutty win gutsy gutsy win especially you throw a pick six like that the odds of coming back in that situation are fairly unlikely uh Purdue probably I don't know what their win total or what their win probability was I don't look at win probability metrics throughout the course of the game I think they're interesting though to revisit I don't know what it was after the pick six I don't know what it was with four minutes left or three minutes left when they're trying to put the game on ice but I bet you it was in the high 80s and for them not to be able to put that game on ice has to be insanely disappointing. But I think those are two pretty decent teams. Uh, good to survive if you're Penn State, but they better get a whole lot better and a whole lot better quickly uh, because there will be more difficult tests ahead. It was a good win for the Nittany Lions the other night. Got to feel good about it. All right. And then the final game of the night that we're going to talk about, there were a few others, Missouri and a couple others. I understand that. Sorry, we didn't have don't have time to get to all those games right now. We'll revisit them here in a couple of days on Monday when we have more time to kind of reflect and look back. But I want to talk about Oklahoma State for a second and conversely, Central Michigan. <laughs> First of all, Spencer Sanders looked amazing. I mean, he was his Fiesta Bowl self. Throwing balls downfield, dropping it in the bucket. I mean, this guy has a chance, man. Like I know he had the interception or whatnot, but Spencer Sanders, that was a different guy. 
that I saw last night. If he plays like that all year long, Oklahoma State is a major problem. Major, major problem. He was running it really well. Thought he was decisive in the run game. You're going to say, well, it was Central Michigan. I, I get that. I understand that. But if you look at the throws that he was making, especially on some of the downfield throws, you could have put the best corner in college football out there and it wouldn't have made a difference because he was dropping him in the bucket in stride to the outside shoulder and was making it look pretty dang easy. Uh, offensively, Oklahoma State, the way they mixed tempo, the way they formation to Central Michigan quite a bit throughout the course of the game, there was a lot to like about what I saw from Oklahoma State's offense last night. Defensively, what the heck was that? <laughs> All right. That is not a defense I'm familiar with. Not at least in the last couple of years. Now, Derek Mason was calling, look, credit to Central Michigan. Got their quarterback, Richardson, played phenomenal. I think the, the running back, Lou Nichols, is the real deal. I mean, that is uh, Carrier, the wide receiver. That's a talented team. I mean, you're going to say it's a MAC team. Come on, man. That's a talented offensive group. They really are. Uh, they have three-headed monster there, quarterback, running back, wide receiver. I think their tight ends are rock solid. I also think you could make a case that the offensive line held up. I was a little worried about them replacing their tackles, but they held up, for the most part, pretty decent. Jim McElwain's phenomenal. I mean, he's he's just so good. Knows how to create matchups. Uh, people say, well, he he wasn't in Florida. I'm not. He's, he wasn't a good fit for Florida. He's a great fit at Central Michigan. And, man, he put together a pretty impressive plan and gave his quarterback a lot of opportunities to make plays downfield. Uh, but, man, what was going on? At first, I'm watching the first couple plays, and I'm watching the defense for Oklahoma State. And their number zero is flying around, and they are you know they are just slobber-knocking folks. And next thing you know, man, it's like they ran out of gas. All of a sudden, second drive of the game, Central Michigan, bang, 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 run, bang, 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 touchdown. It's like, oh, man. And then they get backed up. They force the safety. That basically totally opened things up for Oklahoma State. They went and scored a touchdown. They scored again a couple drives later. They did pretty much anything they wanted there, the range of the first half. Second half, however, it's like Central Michigan found something, and they couldn't stop them. I mean, the game was out of hand three or four times, only for it not to be two or three minutes later because Central Michigan would answer with another score. Uh, they got a lot of things to iron out on the defensive side. I don't know if it was their rotation. I don't know if they were gassed. I'm not sure if they were tired. I, like I said, I don't have access to the tape just yet. We'll be able to make further assessments here as the weekend goes along. But that was not a performance that you would recognize from Oklahoma State. I expect better, and I'm sure their fans expect better, and I'm sure their coaches expect better. Hopefully, they'll get better here in the weeks to come. But that offense, man, they can play with anybody. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence, the confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and the fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. All right, he's our weekly Friday guest. It's time to hit the games from every possible angle. We've done our previews. We've done our picks. We've had some fun the last couple of days. But now it's time to make you some money. And to do that, we bring in our good friend, Chris the Bear Felica. Bear, what's going on, brother? Hey, now now it's time to come to just completely guess and, and have a whole lot of action in some of these week one games. Will our uh, will our guesses be right or will our guesses be uh, absolutely wrong? It's always oh, fun to find out. That's for sure. We're gonna be nails. Are you kidding me? Like it's it's a no doubter. Like Vegas never wins with us. That's for sure. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> all right. Let's see how sharp we are. All right. Let's dial it in. Uh tonight we got some action. We're very, very much looking forward to the Friday night action. Glad that we have a tremendous slate of games. Had a great set of games last night, but now we have a great set of games again. Tonight, Illinois and Indiana, as I know, a game that has stood out to you. This game opened with Indiana as a, gosh, a head-scratching five-and-a-half-point favorite. That line is steaming. I think in large part due to you and Stanford Steve's podcast, that line is now just two in favor of Indiana. The home favorite, slight favorite, Bear. Why are you all over the Illini? I I think because I, again, it's a guess, and I guessed right last week that I thought Illinois would be improved and Wyoming was going to be uh, very, uh, have a lot of difficulty moving the ball and scoring points. I think if you look at Illinois, uh, the defense is very competent, very capable. They have a competent quarterback now in Tommy DeVito. They've got a good running game. And I just, I'm not sold on Indiana. They had the magical 2007. 2007. Uh, uh, 2007 was such a great year. We just could never <laughs> stop talking about it in college football. <laughs> so, but, but they had that seven game abbreviated season in 2020 is what I was trying to say, where they where they went seven and zero against the number in the regular season, won some games uh, that they probably shouldn't have. But since then. It's been what dropping what eleven of the last twelve games against the number, and the only one that they covered came against against an FBS team, came against Western Kentucky. Look, I, I think this is a team that last year in the Big Ten averaged barely ten points a game in conference play. Uh, you, you've got a new quarterback Connor Bazelak, and he get them going with a new group of receivers and a new group of running backs. And I'm I'm, I'm not sure. I, again, you, you hate to always rely on the. And the team with the game under its belt necessarily does better than a team without a game under its belt. But I, I do like the Illini here. I, th- I think uh, they, you probably don't even need the points. I do think they go on the road and win. And, um, and, we'll, and, we'll, and we'll see what happens. I, I know a lot of people kind of pointing to this game. So it worries me a little bit that the numbers come down now uh, below two. It's, and it's a been so trendy. much Illini money. Yeah, it's a little trendy. It was a little trendy. But, but sometimes I, I, I like to think, did I, I don't want to like pat Steve and I on the back or anything, but like, did Steve and I like pick something out and start the trend, or is this like a trend that it's like, oh boy, everyone's kind of noticing the same thing? If it's that, then I would be a little worried, but I still like it. Yeah, I understand that. Uh, I'll tell you a game I like, and and I liked it a lot more when it was at seven and a half. Uh, it's down all the way to six in some places. 
Some places you're still getting it in at six and a half. It's Virginia Tech on the road at ODU. ODU brings back a ton of people. It's a veteran group, veteran quarterback, a team that did some nice things last year at times. We know Virginia Tech's pressing the reset button. Brent Pry is going to be down there trying to get things organized on the defensive side of the football. They looked great in the opener last year against North Carolina, but that was as a dog when no one thought that they could get it done against a top 10 team at home. Now they're going on the road to a place that's given them fits before, and Ricky mm-hmm. Ronnie, the head coach of ODU, knows all about the, the battle, system. The battle of Penn State assistance. Yep. <laughs> exactly. So I like ODU actually not to win it outright. I would never I, – I just can't back ODU. I don't feel that confident to hold your nose and just – play it type of game (laughs) i like odu to keep it inside the numbers i think this game could be really scary for virginia tech well i I think i think odu is a team that uh they're they're looking just to completely put uh last year in the rearview mirror i mean they didn't play in 2020 and so like ricky ronnie's still like kind of like almost like year zero year one uh in in terms of rebuilding this program Uh, it's a no play for me because I'm, i'm i'm really just curious to see how virginia tech uh, plays this year. I, I think we, with Pry, you're going to see much more of a uh, a hard nose, kind of like that lunch pal mentality that more represents what we've seen in the past from from Virginia Tech teams. I think Tech should win the game, but it, like I said, it wouldn't shock me if you were on and uh, and you were right here. And, and, and ODU does keep it a lot closer, so it's yeah. a no play for me. But I'll be uh, I'll be rooting for you. All right. What about TCU? We were on them at seven. It yeah. felt like months ago. Now yep. it's all the way to 14. Too late to start to back the steam, or would you still feel confident laying two touchdowns? No, no, I, I wouldn't lay 14 here. They, in fact, I actually bought some back and middled, middled the game. So now I got the TCU minus seven and Colorado plus 14. So hopefully we can land in that sweet, sweet, sweet spot right there and, 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 and have a, a great Friday night here. So, uh, that's you know, a, but, but that's the, that's why we talk about these things in the off season. If you can identify a line or a team to either bet or bet against and see a number where you know it's going to go one way and you're going to have an opportunity to guarantee yourself some type of potential profit, why not take advantage of it? The other game this weekend that's like that as well is, is Nevada and Texas State. That was another game I think we may have talked about earlier in the year where we, we knew Nevada wasn't going to be very good, and they were like a seven-point favorite in the game. So you grab Texas State plus seven, and I think some people maybe even grab more than that. Now the game is pick them, Nevada one. I actually got Nevada to pick. So now I got Nevada to pick, Texas State plus seven. So that's another game this weekend where just by, by kind of being ahead of the move and, and getting a good line value, you open yourself up to a really nice middle with, with, a, with, a, with, a, with a whole bunch of key numbers in there. Yeah, there's no denying that. Another game tonight involving Michigan State. We don't need to spend a ton of time on it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not comfortable laying three touchdowns and change, not against a Western Michigan team. I, I think Western Michigan's way too good. I would stay away from that game, but do you have a feel? Yeah, I'd stay away from it as well. If anything, I would. I might lean towards Western Michigan. The Spartans defense uh, was so bad against the pass last year. You, you know right. Michigan State is a MAC team that's given them some trouble in the past uh, with, with some better teams. Yeah, Michigan State's a team this year that I'm probably going to uh, look to fade uh, a, a good number of times. We talked about uh, Michigan State, uh, what they did last year and winning some close games and the schedule that they have uh, coming up this year. Uh, I think Mel, Mel Tucker ultimately by the end of the year might have a little bit more talent on his team uh, than he did last year, but I don't think the record will be as good. So I'm going to pick my spots with the Spartans this year and, and, and going against them here isn't one of them. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I just I can't back it. I think it's too concerning. Too many question marks. I think Michigan State's gonna be really good. I do. I just this is a week one. Stay away, Michigan State. I, I just don't like it at all. Uh, let's get to some Saturday action. There's a lot of games. I love the card this week. I really do. I love the <laughs> card. Uh, we've been texting all week. I know you're excited about it. Uh, a couple of games that jump out. Let's talk quickly about Oklahoma. I know you have a pretty good stat of what things look like when Oklahoma's north of a four-touchdown favorite. They're sitting at 30. It opened at 32 and a hook. Would you lay the points with the Sooners? No, I don't think I would. It's not because of the note. Um, it's because of kind of like the unknown of what we're going to get from Dylan Gabriel. We, we know uh, Jeff Levy's obviously a great play caller. Uh, we just I just want to see how uh, Gabriel adapts at OU. and They're not facing a a great team by any means, but, but I think uh, we've, we've made a, a, a good bit of money in the past uh, betting against Oklahoma in this role of big favorites. I think Danny Dibble's team is, is, is a, is a hard nosed type team. Surprise, surprise some teams uh, started last year. And, and I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year, but that this many points uh, this early in the year, I know that we're going to be all excited to, uh, in, in, in Brent's first game there. But the fact that you've had a team in recent years, it's been uh, this big of a favorite in some non-conference FBS games, and they won by five points and seven points. So they've struggled in spots like this in, in, in the past. I wouldn't lay I, – if I had to play the game, I'd play UTEP and, and just think if UTEP can get 14 to 17 points, which against a completely rebuilt Oklahoma defense, maybe they can. Uh, you, you'd be in good shape. So it would be a pass, but if it's one of those where you got to circle one or the other, I'll take you tip. Man, they scored 13 against North Texas last week. I, I don't. I, I'm with you. I, it's hard. I, I can't. It's a hold your nose if you take UTEP. I, I can't do right. it. I just, I can't. And I think Brent's going to want to make a statement. I just, I think Oklahoma opens up a can tomorrow. I, I think it gets sideways and sideways quickly. Maybe the play is Oklahoma first half. Uh, mm-hmm. something like that. Or I mean, Oklahoma I don't know. team total over maybe or something like that. I could see it that way for sure. That wouldn't be a bad way to play it. How about Georgia State, South Carolina? South Carolina, trendy team of the offseason. Georgia State, however, on the other hand, very veteran group. Bring back everybody. Pretty good team a year ago. They'll obviously be going to South Carolina, but South Carolina has to travel to Arkansas next week. A big game that they're obviously very excited about. Big opportunity for them to play against a team likely ranked in the top 25, assuming they win this weekend. More on them in a minute. But Georgia State, that line opened at 13 and a half, steamed down to 12. I'm kind of leaving in favor of Georgia State keeping this thing close and kind of muddying it up and making it an ugly, ugly game against the Gamecocks. I, I am as well. This is kind of a, a game and a line that's kind of just – I think floated out there uh, underneath a lot of people's radar in sight this week. And, and we, we talked, I, I kind of joked about guessing in unknowns. Spencer Rattler's a complete guess. And we don't know yeah. how he's going to respond and react this year. The reason he was benched in Oklahoma is because he wasn't very good and he was uh, losing the huddle and turning the ball over. So uh, maybe it will be a, a clean, fresh start. And he's certainly got some, some great tight ends to throw the ball to. But we've seen Georgia State pull big upsets in the past. They, they played some of the better teams in the conference uh, last year in situations where they either won or shouldn't have won. I, I'm with you. I think it's too many points here. No, I'm I'm 100% in line with that. I just I, I can't feel confident laying that many. I just the lines just feels like a sucker line. Anytime I see that, attention goes off. Another one. The, SC, thought- the SEC game against SEC game against Arkansas next week. 
I think is something to remember too. That it, it's always like the dangerous thing for a uh, for a season opener against a, like a group of five team or a team you're a good group of five favorite team. against. Yeah, yeah, that how much do you want to show? Because you've got a conference game next week that matters more. And you know, like, you risk not showing enough. And then you put yourself in a situation where you, you look up in the fourth quarter and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm up four points and, and they got the ball <laughs> right. at midfield. So it's like, right. it's, a, it's a tough spot, I think, for Shane Beamer and, and his staff tomorrow. I would, I would agree. And I think there was a lot of offseason buzzing for good reason. I think they're headed in the right direction. But I just think it might be, you know, a week where it's just maybe not totally on their a game not pressing the panic button but wouldn't be surprised if that one's closer uh than the experts think mm-hmm. miami ohio is another one that i think could be close miami ohio is a veteran group bring back a lot they're playing kentucky that line opened at 21 and a half down to 17 now part of that i think the reaction to chris rodriguez being yep. out the running back but is he worth four and a half points i mean what kind of move is that why are people so on the red hawks in a game like this on the road an sec opponent yeah i i hope the, i hope the move isn't be simply because of rodriguez i mean are there going to be other guys who maybe aren't going to play as well i don't have a great feel on this game uh at all again kentucky's a team that got some sec games coming up with the uh, with, with with florida so i i trust mark stoops and i trust their defense and i trust i trade even with the new offensive coordinator i, I trust them to score enough points to kind of uh, keep, win this comfortably now do i want to lay that many points yeah maybe not but uh i think if you if you're money line in some games in a parlay or so i, I wouldn't i wouldn't be worried about using kentucky uh because i do think they'll win I'm sure I, don't pay, want, I don't i don't know if i'd want to lay 17 or what's so. the price on that you, so you wager uh <laughs> 17 yeah, I mean, but, but, yeah, but, but what i'm what i'm saying is i mean there there, there are very good betters and, and friends of mine who they don't even look at the spread. They'll yeah. just they'll, they'll look at they'll look at they'll look at the spread, and then they'll just play the money lines on games that they think the favorite will not lose. And you'll put eight or nine or ten of them together, and you got a whole bunch of fourteen, seventeen, twenty-two point favorites. You get ten or eleven of them, and you're basically laying around one ten or so. So they, they, that's the way they bet. And uh, people can either love it or hate it or not do it, but but that is so that is something that I think to look at during the season. Yeah, interesting. I I don't love the strategy, but hey, I I get it. There's a lot of people that are smarter than me on this deal. That's for sure. Me too. Uh, How about this trendy one? This one's very trendy to me, and I like it. I think it just stinks. The line stinks like crazy. BYU, Uh a team in the top 25, going on the road to South Florida. South Florida going to be starting Gary Bohannon. He's formerly of Baylor, more familiar with playing at top teams. He actually started against BYU last year, so he's familiar with what BYU will bring. A game opened as a 12.5-point favorite, BYU being a ranked team on the road against a team that had a terrible record last year. I can't feel comfortable laying this many points on the road. I mean, if we're all worried about Utah going to Florida, more on that game in a minute, why would we not be at all worried about BYU going to South Florida? Because it's similar circumstances, except this game is 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's similar circumstance, but BYU isn't that much worse than Utah, and South Florida is worse than Florida. <laughs> Considerably. So, uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's, that's the thing. But, but, but again, I don't know if I'd want to lay 12.5 in this game. I have a South Florida season win total under 4.5, so I'm backing on this game being a, a BYU win, so I'm kind of already invested 
uh, in South Florida. And that's kind of, I'm just going to kind of sit on the sidelines until I'm in a position where I might need to hedge against my under bet potentially or, or ride it out or, or, or such. So I'm not going to, I'm going to stay away from this game on the field. I think BYU will win, but uh, I'm not going to lay that many points in an opener. All right, before we get to the heavy hitters, I want to ask you about this game. It's one of the most interesting games this week as far as line movement's concerned. North Carolina at App State. We know App State. Everyone's making a huge deal out of the fact that North Carolina was terrible on defense last week. They gave up three, you know, 24 points to, to FAMU, and everyone's panicking, and Gene Chizik, mm-hmm. he's lost it. You know, all this stuff. Fine. App State's got all the – they got the run game back. I think this is a complete overreaction to week one. This game opened with North Carolina being a three and a half point favorite. I called the game when Miami went to App State back in 2016, and the personnel yep. differential was considerable. Miami was a three point favorite in that game, and they won by 100. So I, I think App State will make it tough, and I think that App State will struggle to match up athletically, though. I think North Carolina will score way more points than App State in this game. So I like North Carolina pretty heavy in this game, even though that number's been all over the place from North Carolina three and a half all the way to App State one and a half. I love North Carolina on Saturday. I, I, I agree with nearly everything that you said. I, I, I taught you, how can you judge North Carolina with, with any conviction off of one game last week that on Friday they weren't even sure if they were going to play the game? So hey, put yourself in a play. Oh, we're going to play. We're going to play. I mean, I'm sure Mac and, and the staff tried to, oh, we're playing, we're playing. But but kids are reading and hearing what's going on. So they went out there and they and they – and they kind of went through the most quarterback looked fine. They, they're going to put up a bunch of points, but, but really I, I agree. Good. I think I, I, I think athletically on offense with, with the quarterback you know, with Downs and some of the other players that they have, uh, I, I think they're going to score a lot of points. And yeah, I, I think App State is very, very, very trendy of a pick, and people are kind of hopping on the the whole in-state rivalry type deal. It's interesting too because the other game kind of paralleling that with NC State going to ECU. So, yeah. so you've got UNC going on in-state rival. You've got NC State going up and in in-state in state rival as well. I was a little worried earlier this summer about this could be a trap game for NC State. But I don't know. Man. I, I've talked myself onto the Wolfpack in this game, laying the, uh, laying the 11 or, or, or so. I just don't know if, if ECU is going to be able to move the ball with conviction. Now, North Carolina State defense is really, really good and – I know NC State has struggled moving the, the ball on the ground at times last year, but is the East Carolina offense, uh, defensive line going to kind of be able to stand up to uh, the diversity and, and the different looks that the NC State offense is going to give you with either on the ground or the different rep patterns that Leary has throwing the ball? He's so accurate. So I, I've kind of warmed myself up with, with the uh, – call me a big school power five snob here if you want. <laughs> But uh, I'm, 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 I'm going to no. take, take UNC at a ride to pick or so, and I'm going to lay the points with NC State. Uh, I like it. I'm not, I'm not against that at all. I think Hold Naylor's is an excellent quarterback. He can make yep. some magic happen, but I, he's not Ben Roethlisberger. You know, I think that there's – I think there's only so much he can do, and that tenacious front that they're going to bring is going to be too much, I think, for ECU. Uh, let's get to the heavy hitters of the weekend. Utah, Florida. Uh, I like Utah. I lay the points. I think Florida, too much has been made about the swamp, too much has been made about the environment, all this other stuff. I lean Utah in this game. Which side are you on? I want no part of the game. <laughs> I, 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 will, I, I no, Because I can see Florida being like the sharp side in this game, 
but I think Florida's got some depth issues. Uh, are they going to? Uh, when we're talking about Utah handling the heat, like are they going to be able to? Are they going to be able to stand up to Utah and the physical brand of football that they play on, on both sides of the ball for for four quarters? I'm really interested to see the uh, the, the Utah offense again uh, with, with rising a quarterback as they were so good late in the year and then the second half of the year when he really took over. This is probably I had this conversation with Stanford Steve in the podcast, like. Utah has to win Saturday or else they had no shot at the playoffs. You can't go to Florida right. and lose and, and expect to make the playoffs. So that, just, you can't won. win 12. You can't expect yourself to win 12 in a row. I, I mean, you can, it's, in and theory, that, it's possible, yeah, but it's just so right. it's so unlikely. So I, I think for the good of the sport and the good of conversation and storylines throughout the year, I'd like to see Utah win the game so we can kind of – and plus I'd like to be able to get to a Pac-12 game this year with – <laughs> with game day, Utah, UCLA, or, or or something like that, but uh, yeah, I, 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 it's, I, I can see them going down there like we've seen Pac-12 teams before, Utah, Oregon, and other teams in the in the conference championship game with everything to play for, massive stage, and they just come up short. Maybe yeah. this Utah team is built differently. I don't know. So the uh, the college football fan and journalist and observer and whatever else you want to call me. I would like to see Utah win the game for all of the obvious storylines that are at play. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I think there's a lot of fun and intrigue in that game on Saturday night. It'll be up against Notre Dame, Ohio State. Uh, So whether it captures the audience it should, I don't know. We'll find out. But I know that I feel very, very comfortable taking the points here. Everyone and their brothers on Ohio State. Everyone. I still don't know if Ohio State's answered the question yet about how they handle physicality. Uh, look, no disrespect to anything they've done. They have everything you could want as far as skill and weapons and speed and athleticism. But can they make it out of the alley if it becomes a dogfight? And I, I think they'll win the game, Bear, but 17 points is way too rich for me. I know the steam's been on that side, but, man, I'm, I'm riding the Irish, taking the points here. I, if I had to play the game, I'd play Ohio State. Um it's not anything that I particularly love. It's a big primetime marquee game, so people are going to want to watch it and bet it. Uh, I just keep coming back to what we what we know from Notre Dame against these caliber of opponents. Ten straight yeah. losses against top ten teams by an average of over 16 points a game. Eleven straight losses against top five teams by over 20 points a game. So that's what we're looking at. Uh, that's why the spread is 17. People are, well, why? It's a top five matchup. Why is the number so big? That's why. But I think we're going to see a better defense from from Ohio State. But we, but but you're right. We might not see it as quickly. Week one, as, some pe- right. as, as people might think, because if you look at Jim Knowles' numbers from Oklahoma State, like it took a year. Like the first year he was there, he had to completely turn stuff around. And so it's like year one to year two where they've kind of made the big jump. Now I do. I think obviously he has more to work with uh, at Ohio State than he did uh, in, in Stillwater, and, and I would look for. Uh, for 44 uh, to Amalo to have a, a massive year uh, for the Buckeyes. I think the question is, how good do you think Notre Dame is? Like With, with, with Avery Davis out at wide receiver, uh, are they going to be able to get in there in situations to help them uh, move the ball, offensive line, Buckner, is he going to be able to throw the ball well enough? So I, I think there are also a lot of questions about Notre Dame and where they are. So if I had to play the game, I would be on the other side, and I, I would consider laying it. I love it. All right, we have time for one more game, Bear. I'll give you the choice. Oregon, Georgia, 
That game right now at 17, mm-hmm. down from 17 a hook. Mm-hmm. Cincy, Arkansas, a, de- mm-hmm. a game down from seven to six and a half. And I want no Florida's- part of that game. I want no part of that game either. I like if I had, it just feels like a, everyone's saying, oh, Arkansas is the SEC team. Look what Cincinnati no, did last time against an SEC team. Nothing, I, I nothing think would a, surprise me. You can tell me <laughs> Arkansas won that game by double digits or Cincinnati won that game by double digits. And I'd be like, okay, I believe it. Yeah, I want, yeah, that's I, a game I want no part of. I'm with you. I, I'm. It's a stay away from me. I, I don't know the how anyone can feel confident in that the one. The Georgia-Oregon game is one that I'm going to be involved. I, I'm going to be on really? the under. I'm going to be on the under, and I'm going to be involved on the Oregon team total under. I, I think Georgia feels pretty good about their ability to run the football. So obviously that's going to take uh, a lot of time off the clock, and they're going to help their defense out uh, with a lot of newcomers on there to kind of control the ball. So I think you're going to see a lot of run-run and a lot of pop to those tight ends and some of those receivers who are who are burners. We, we've seen Bo Nix uh, against the, the Georgia defense. And it hasn't gone well. I've seen an Oregon team total of 17 and a half. So I'm going to go under that. If you look at Georgia, the Power Five, the non-conference opponents that they have played uh, since 2019, they've won them by they won them 34 11, 45 nothing, 10 3, 26 14, and 52 to seven. I mean, they've mm. held them to a combined 35 points, which leads to you to believe under. And if you take out two games against Georgia Tech and make it. The three games against top 10 teams, Michigan, Clemson, and Baylor, they won those three by a 70 to 28 margin. So, again, these elite teams have trouble scoring on a really good team. So, I think Oregon's going to have trouble scoring as well. So, I'm going to be Oregon team total under. And the game that I like the most this week, and I know the number has moved from what I initially liked it at 21 and a half, I think it's 23 now. I love Washington on Saturday against Kent State. Really? Uh, say, yeah, say a prayer for Kent State. Uh, pour one out for 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 the uh, for the Golden Flashes. The non-conference schedule of Washington, Oklahoma, and Georgia as they look to fund their athletic department. I love Kalen DeBoer going to, going to UW. I love the fact he's bringing in Michael Penix. Uh, they were the, the Jimmy Lake experiment was a debacle. Um, they couldn't stop stop turning the ball over last year. Couldn't run the ball. I, I, I think UW completely overwhelms them at the line of scrimmage. And they pretty much score at will. So I like, even though the number has gone up, I still do like UW. Yeah, I, I like that. It, twenty-two and a half to twenty-three. Not crazy steam, but yeah. also not crazy action right now. Just over twenty-seven hundred tickets. So good stuff, Bear. I, I really, really am interested in and that that game. To be honest oh. with you, because I want to see Washington. I like you. I like I like Washington this year. I, I think they're a team that could have. Talk about some of these teams coming off of coaching changes and transfer portal and quarterbacks, and they're a team right. that is rarely mentioned. And uh, I, I like that because I, I think uh, we might be able to be able to get ahead of some of the numbers there on them. I think I think that could be okay. That game against Michigan State in a couple of weeks is going to be very interesting. What about Army Coastal quickly? Army plus two. Oh, I, I'm worried about the new rules. I, like, I'm curious if it's actionable <laughs> the, or not. The chop no, blocks no, with, and with, stuff, with the right? the chop blocking and stuff, yeah. exactly. Like, that's a big part of the service academy's offense. Like, if, if By the way, Coastal's blocks, triple Coastal's got some triple option qualities to it. Yes, so they do. They, they do. <laughs> they, they do. But but I, I would trust McCall to be able to throw the ball as well more than I would an Army offense that's kind of locked into uh, that type of offense. So I'd, yeah. I'd probably play Coastal if I had to. But but I, I, that's something to observe with, with the with the military academy games to see if uh, these these penalties are indeed being called. 
All right, there's about 17 other games I'd love to hit with you. We're out of time, though. Can't go any longer, um, Bear. So uh, we'll just have to follow you on Twitter, at Chris Felica. Exactly. You can just tell us all the other games you love. Does that work? That was UCLA as well. You know, you, can, you you don't think you, you don't UCLA. think Chip has been you you don't think Chip's been like writing down like uh, uh, USC <laughs> Lincoln Riley Caleb Williams Addison I think uh, wow the I offense think, you know, uh, yeah and then it's going to come out and score sixty in the opener and be like yeah, you know we, we we scored sixty on them last year we we still got some offense too. So yeah, UCLA is another one that I, I like. This week. I, I think, uh, I think you must be listening to the podcast because UCLA might be one of my sleeper teams and they might just, mm-hmm. I might just have them in the, in the Pac-12 championship game this year. Just, uh, just saying, um, look at their just schedule. Saying. I'm just saying, look at their schedule. Look at UCLA's Undefe- schedule. Undefeated when Utah comes to town. <laughs> I think so too. And then you look at what happens after Utah. It's yep. not, the gauntlet, week, especially Oregon. the road yep, trips. Exactly right. The, the road right. trips are not too daunting. <laughs> so, Bear, great stuff, man. Really, really enjoyed it. We'll do it again next week. We look forward to it. Good luck this weekend, and we appreciate your time. Absolutely. Good luck, everybody. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hey, thanks for being with us on another edition of Always College Football. It's been so much fun this whole week getting you prepared for games. Getting back to some of the games last night, that was some awesome, awesome football. It was just great to have it on TV. I was working the remote like there was no tomorrow, man. That thing got a workout. Last night, as I was trying to bounce around and watch all these games, it was so fun to get into it. We got plenty of games to look forward to tonight. We obviously have a million games to look forward to tomorrow. We so appreciate you being with us. Please like, rate, and subscribe at Always College Football. Follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm at Greg McElroy. Follow me on there. Hit me up. We'll try to interact as best we can. We really appreciate the interaction at Always College Football at gmail.com. Send us your mailbag questions. We'll get to those here next week as we get into week two. I know there'll be plenty of questions about your team based on what they do this weekend. So we'll dive into it. We'll make sure that we watch as much as we possibly can here this weekend so that we can fill you in on Monday when we're back. We'll preview, of course, that night. We'll preview Clemson at Georgia Tech from Atlanta. We really look forward to that game as well. For all of us here at Always College Football, he's Mark Kubiak. I'm Greg McElroy. We hope you have a wonderful day. And as always, remember... It's always college football.